I'm glad to see every person here. I tell you I am. If you're joining us online, we're, we're glad you're here. We've had a, a great morning in the field of technology, uh, probably about an hour and 15 minutes worth. But you know God is always going to win, amen? And he's just going to win. It's set up that way. That's why we're going to celebrate what we're going to celebrate if we're here next week. Not just the cross, but we celebrate an empty tomb. And uh, that tomb represents not just victory over death, hell, and the grave, but it also has victory attached to it. And you don't hear a lot about that, but if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, do you know you're, you're not only uh, a part of a victorious family, but you, you can also walk in that victory, and it doesn't matter what's going on. We want to talk about a little bit of victory just for a moment. I, I want to thank God that we victoriously uh, got a lot done over at the soon-to-be Children's Ministry Center and the Student Ministry Center. We got a lot more to do, but God's helping us, and I, I, we're constantly getting confirmation that this is what we ought to be doing uh, more than anything right now. So I'm looking forward to uh, just what God has in store and how many, uh, this is old school terms, but young people he's going to help. How about that? Used to say to young people, but we, we mean all, all, of the, all of the youth, all the students, and I want to encourage you to pray about it, first of all. You know, it doesn't matter what you do as far as buildings or constructions or anything like that. If you're going after somebody that the devil has his, his eyes on, and we are, we have been, but we are going to really pick it up. He is going to just unleash everything he's got uh, on them and on us, but we, we're going to pray over them, amen, that as we fish for them and as we go after them, that and see, God's using everything. Uh, first ever barrel race out at uh, Tripp's farm yesterday, Wilson Farm. And, you know, there was nothing but Jesus being glorified out there. Them people, hey, they thought they were probably going to get to do everything from drink to carouse. And, 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 you know, the button was pushed to play any kind of music, but that didn't happen. See, God was glorified. You couldn't get past the driveway without reading the name of Jesus. And so, see, we're not relenting. I mean, I don't know what all is going to happen in this world in the months ahead of us, but I do know this. God will get his glory anywhere and everywhere he can. So pray about it. If God lays it on your heart, you uh, have an unused stimulus check that you just are confused what to do with all that money. God has sent me today to tell you that he has a way to help you in bearing that burden. But anyway, I, listen, God always provides. I, I love what Tommy Barnett said a long time ago, and I just, I love it because it's true. Ministry follows money. I mean, money follows ministry. You heard me better the first time, but that was not right. Money follows ministry. This week... My wife shared a devotion with me that she, um, hey, all visitors, we're glad to have you online. We're glad to have you and everybody. We need you to do all you can to pray, first of all, about next week's service as all service. 
but we also want you to do all you can to uh, go fishing and, and, and don't do this right here. Don't compromise when it comes to that. I, I knew this was going to help me. I just didn't know how soon it was. But this short devotional was taken from Daniel chapter 3, really. If that is the case, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace. And he will deliver us from your hand, O king. But if not, let it be known to you, O king, that, see, they were never, you, you, you can stand for God and not be disrespectful, amen? He, they didn't look down or, or call the king uh, some name uh, and say, not my president and all that. They still gave honor there because God raises everybody up and he pulls people down. So, um, food for thought, let it be known, O king, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the gold image which you have set up. And this is all pointing to this devotion, and it's the foundation for a compromiser is a person who moves goalposts and plays to the crowd. Compromisers tell people what they want to hear because they want to be popular. They do not stand for truth, but being a Christian calls for firm resolve against compromise. We must be prepared. Following Jesus without compromise invites continual criticism. We cannot be controlled by what others say about us. That is why it's so important for men and women of God to spend time alone in prayer and to listen what, to what the Spirit of God tells them to do. God is looking for people like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego who, according to today's verse, refuse to compromise in the face of danger. They faced the fiery furnace after refusing to worship a golden idol, but God protected them. If you are grounded in the word, sure of your calling and sure of your walk with Jesus, not even fire can destroy your foundation. Stand your ground. Never compromise because of criticism. D.L. Moody, one of America's heroes, once said, the man that is popular with the world is not a friend to Jesus. You may be uh, sure that something is wrong with you when everybody is your friend. If Jesus is the most important person in your life, then you will be able to withstand any kind of buffeting. And the prayer for this just simply says, God, my heart is resolved against compromise. Let me, or lead me to stay pure, strong, and faithful to your will, no matter what others say. Amen. And it's getting harder to not do that. Beginning in the pulpit and just throughout the body of Christ as a whole, it's, it's getting harder to do that because more and more uh, pressure seems to come in all kinds of forms. And so... We just got to walk in the word and remember that. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but I hope you got a chance to listen to some of Wednesday night because if you did, you may have heard me say, we're probably going to pick right up from where we left off, and that's what we're going to do. But before we do that, I want to actually start with where I, I ended Wednesday night, and that is in the eighth or ninth chapter, the eighth verse of Ezra. 
And so Ezra chapter 9 verse 8 is where we're going to start after we pray. Father, we love you and we thank you, Lord, that we can breathe air. Hallelujah, Lord. God, we thank you that when we come into your house and we just leave it all outside, we walk in here and just say, God, I'm yours. I'm going to give you all I have, but I want to receive everything you will give me. I empty myself so that I can be filled with your word, your spirit, your presence, your power, whatever, God. So, Lord, I pray that we won't be distracted, nor will we be a distraction. And anoint me, God. You know what I'm made out of. And, Lord, you know the flaws even more than I know. Lord, you know all of the flaws in me. So I, I must decrease in order for it just to help me and help all of us, Lord, and anoint me to say what you want me to say and us to hear what we have to hear today that you've ordained. In Jesus' name, amen. And now for a little while, this is where we ended Wednesday. Uh, let me tell you, if you didn't hear, I just don't want to jump in without a little background quickly. But Ezra was calling the people of God to a place to make a decision. They had gotten real comfortable with disobeying the commandments of God, even so to the point they began to intermarry. Uh, and what that means in this setting right here was the people that God... And see, there a lot of people are always confused on this and things that kind of stem off from this, but I want to tell you what we're talking about, and this is not exclusive what I'm saying, but in a kind of a nutshell, God was saying, these people over here don't know me, they don't acknowledge me, they don't care about me. They're raising their families to do that. Their nation has no uh, allegiance to me at all because they absolutely serve another god and gods in so much that they even make them with their hands and they cast them and build them and make them into gold statues and things like that. And the Lord told his people, he said, and he did it many times through many prophets, he said, don't intermarry because when you do, you're going to be led in the direction they're going in. You know, I will never forget, and it's not at this church, but I have heard it. The first time I heard this when I served at uh, uh, Springfield, I, I remember one or two people telling me on different occasions that, uh, well, I, I knew he or she, in this case it was a, it was a male, uh, that the wife was referring to, they, they knew that they were not equally yoked, but they went ahead and done it anyway. And in doing so, they live 20, 30, 40 years, even right now, uh, with an unbelieving spouse. And in some cases, the, the unbelieving spouse was able to, over time, coerce and, and pull the believer just into a wayward walk and a wayward I'm trying to just look all the way because I don't want anybody to think I'm I'm just off in space today because I, I try to just look at the camera to lose to keep my focus but I, I want I want everybody to know God's talking to me right now are we clear on this because this is not limited to my 
physical spouse, what we're going into. So I want you to hear what, what God's telling us. And he said, if, if, you, if you intermarry with a person right there, and this is the argument they would say. They would say, well, you know, I'm just going to win them to the Lord. If you don't win them before you say I do, this is what we said 31 years ago, and I say it today, then you don't have a great amount of odds in your favor that that's going to happen during the duration of your relationship. I always say it when I talk to young couples. Everything that you can nail down and you can discipline to right now, iron it out and fix it now. If it walks with you into matrimony, then there's a good chance it's going to stay there forever. You don't have to agree with me, but the statistics blow that completely uh, uh, to a, a different level. And so God was telling these people, I didn't want to take this much time, but he was telling them, if you intermarry, then, then you, you, you probably are more than likely, you're going to float away from me. And so that, that's what Ezra was addressing here. And verse 8, where we went Wednesday night, just said, and now for a little while, grace has been shown from the Lord our God to, so number one, God is still showing his grace to us. Grace has been shown to us uh, from the Lord to leave us a remnant to escape. That's the second thing. And also to give us a peg, or if you remember, I had a stake in his holy place. We have stakes in all kinds of things, but he said, no, I'm leaving my remnant, and you'll know my remnant because their stake, their foundation, their, their anchor point will be in my holy place. That's how he identified the remnant. And he said, our God will also, he may enlighten our eyes and give us, this is what I get excited about too, a measure of revival. So that's why I had to start back there, plus the Lord said start right there. For we were uh, a measure of revival in our bondage. Quickly, I want to say this. For the past 150 years, we have uh, become more aware, and especially in the past decade, of slavery. Slavery has always existed even since the early days, folks. All of it has been wrong. None of it is right. It's not justifiable. None of it is. But I want to tell you this. I'm not going far into this, but I'm going to tell you that what we are witnessing right now is a new form of bondage and slavery across the entire planet. We don't know it. Some of you may try to get ahead of me and think you know exactly what I'm saying or not saying, but I'll tell you this. I have, in all the research over the past year, I have seen this quote from many, or I'm going to say at least a dozen. I don't want to get carried away like preachers do, fish stories. I'm going to tell you that I have seen this said by many different people that don't know each other that, you will get to a point where you own nothing and you are happy about that. And you know, that's what slavery is, only I, I don't ever recall reading a story of a slave being just real happy about being a slave. And we are in a new kind of bondage, and this is why we need to understand, and, and again, if you jump to conclusion, it's on, it's on you, it ain't on me. I'm just telling you where we're going here. For we were slaves... 
Yet our God did not forsake us in our bondage, but he extended mercy to us in the sight of the kings of Persia to revive us to repair the house of our God. I feel like we're doing that over there. We've done that here. We're working on that. To rebuild its ruins and to give us a wall in Jerusalem and Judea. I believe God is building a wall in Scotland County. It's not to keep anybody but the enemy at bay. I believe the wall is when he tries to sabotage the people of God and the remnant of God, that the wall is there to keep him at bay while we work, while it is day, because we know night is coming and we're going to be limited to where we can't do any kind of work. So I believe God is doing this. And he said in verse 11, uh, which, uh, I'm, let me go to verse 10. And now our God, what shall we say after this? For we have forsaken your commandments. People were starting to come clean which you have commanded by your servants the prophets, saying, the land which you are entering to possess is an unclean land with the uncleanness. I, I got to stop. Sorry, Father. I'm doing what you just said. I pray over me and over us and over everybody hearing. I know this is so dangerous. I know that if this gets in my soul, if this gets in my spirit, and if I, I get consumed with what you're telling me right now, Lord, I'm going to change, I'm going to change. Oh, God, you know I'm going to change for the good. And somebody around me is going to be better off because I changed. So, Lord, would you break me? Would you melt me? Would you mold me? Fill me, use me right now. I rebuke any kind of thing that would come into my mind right now. I, I cast down vain imagination in the name of Jesus while I stand behind this pulpit, God. And God, I pray for my brothers and sisters in front of me and online right now that you would guard their heart and their mind in Jesus' name. All God's people said amen. Thank you. The land which you are entering to possess is an unclean land. See, God's trying to tell them why you don't do these things. It's filled with uncleanness of the peoples of the land with their abominations which they have filled from one end to the other with their impurity. God's telling them, Now therefore do not give your sons or your daughters as wives to their sons nor take their daughters to your sons and never seek their peace or their prosperity. Never seek it. It may look like it's good, our next-door neighbor's grass may look greener. The Lord says, but don't you be fooled by that. Might be a nice family. They might uh, seem like, well, they did good. But if God says, don't do this, he told them, don't you do this. It's going to separate you from me. And God's saying, I don't like that. That happened to me in the garden one time, and I hate it when it happens. And see, it's like God has to keep reliving this same scenario over and over again with the people that he's done everything for down to give his only begotten son. I can't imagine how that feels to God. And so God says, don't do it. Don't give your sons there. It's not better. It's not going to turn out the way you said. Don't give your daughters there. It's not going to end the way your mind and Facebook told you it's going to end. It's not going to be that way. And he goes on to say, they've done this. Don't seek their peace or their prosperity. He says, you don't want to do this so that you may be strong 
and eat the good of the land and leave it as an inheritance to your children forever. And after all that has come upon us for our evil deeds and for our great guilt, since you, our God, have punished us less than our iniquities deserve, God's still doing that, and have given us such a deliverance as this, should we again break your commandments and join in marriage with the people committing these abominations? Would you not be angry with us until your hand had consumed us so that there would be no remnant or no survivor? O Lord God of Israel, you are righteous. Not them, not it, not that, not they. You are righteous, O Lord, for we are left Say this with me. We are left as a remnant. You may not receive that right now, but in the name of Jesus Christ, Jehovah God wants me to tell you today, you again for the umpteenth time are not still alive just because you are waiting on the train to come by. You are here intentionally by the hand of God whether you are Mike Webb with the oxygen tank or you feel like you can kick a football as far as Carson Gibbs. It doesn't matter. Everybody in between, you are here. And I say that, you know why? I say that Mike wouldn't want me to say this right here, but last week, last week, after all that he's gone through with, 14 days in the hospital, he still showed up at this church and I hadn't, t I hadn't thanked him privately, but I'm going to do it publicly that he came with the four or five other brothers and he at least helped them align the chair. See, what I'm telling you today, God helped me to stay focused. But this is for somebody. This is for somebody. It doesn't matter what shape you are in right now. I don't care what they remember about you in the world, what you did or what you messed up or what you broke. You are still here by Jehovah God's will so you can be the remnant to do what God needs you to do. Don't you accept anything he gives you. Nothing, nothing. Don't you wipe everything off the table. You are here beaten, battered, or at the best of your life just so you can complete the will of God. And I'm going to bring another name up. I've already said Tripp's name. He don't care if I say this, but listen to me. I don't care how many times you fall off the wagon. If you will make your mind up, I'm going to serve Jesus. God can still use you. Listen, we've got to quit accepting what they're pumping into us. You stay home, shut your mouth, don't do anything. We're going we're gonna to finish you off sooner or later anyway. No, no, no. The blood of Jesus is just way too much for me to treat his work, being part of the remnant like that. I'm going to swing. I'm going to kick. I'm going to be out of breath. I'm going to give. I'm going to pray. I'm going to fast. I'm going to read. And I'm going to worship until I don't have anything left in me because he deserves that. And he thought enough of me to leave me here. And he thought enough of you to leave you here. You are here 
You are the remnant. There is no John and Paul and James and Luke and Mary Magdalene. You are John and Paul and James and Peter and, and Matthew. You are all of them sitting in this church right now. It's you, it's you, it's you that are left to evangelize this world. They've done it. They've been burnt. They've been beheaded. They've had uh, stones thrown at them till they died. They're gone, so it's up to me and you, church. We have got to stand up. I don't care if it's straight in the chair or if it's walk, walk, walk and pass out water and pass out tracks. We've got to show up for God while there's still time because there's going to be a moment when you can't do it without a gun being pointed to your head. I know I'm just out there right now, aren't I? But if, we, if the Lord doesn't return, you're going to see that. And whatever time it is, you can mark the day and time. If you live long enough, you're going to see this. So this is our window. This is our grace moment right now. This is our moment to share the grace of God with whatever it is. If it's barrel racing or if it's over there starting up ministries or if it's erecting the LOL stage in the middle of Scotland County, whatever we got to do, we got to do it and we got to do it right now. God will use what you give to him. Oh, Lord God of Israel, you are righteous. We are left as a remnant. We are left as a remnant. Not 14 people, not seven. We are left as a remnant. What if God kept us alive based on our work for the kingdom? What year would you have died? Now, while Ezra, this is where I'm trying my best and I need God's help. I'm sorry, Derek. I got to read verse 15. I want to read the whole thing again. You're, you're reading a lot of Bible. Hey, you are in church. We're, we're in God's house. This is God's word. Does that make sense to you? It makes a lot of sense to me can't stand up here and tell jokes or do cute things. I, I, I'm just telling you, we are in God's house. In God's house, read your Bible, you'll realize they'd read it all night long sometimes. Read, read, read the Bible. Yeah, the Bible. The Bible. O Lord God of Israel, you are righteous, for we are left as a remnant as it is this day. Here we are before you in our guilt, though no one can stand before you because of this. They knew what they had done. Now I want to go to verse 10, I mean uh, chapter 10. Now while Ezra was praying and while he was confessing, weeping and bowing down before the house of God. See, Ezra knew you can't stream everything. You can't stream it all, folks. While he was in the house of God weeping because of what the people had done. He didn't intermarry, but his heart was so heavy that he knew that God's people that he was a part of had done it. And while he was in the house of God, bowing down and weeping 
a very large assembly of men and women and children gathered to him from Israel. For the people wept very bitterly. And there was a man there by the name of Shechaniah, the son of Jehiel, one of the sons of Elam. And he spoke up and he said to Ezra, see, I believe between verse 8 and right here, I believe there was some revival that went on somewhere because somebody finally stood up and said, Yep, it's been going on and we've been happy with it. We got used to it. We liked it. They're well-to-do families over there. We want our sons and our daughters. They're doing good. He said, don't you seek their peace and prosperity. You never, I know I talked about marriage, but this is in every facet of life. Don't base everything off of money, success, and power. It is a great smoke screen that the devil has always used. Now, while Ezra was doing all this, a very large assembly of men and women and children gathered before Israel, and they wept bitterly, and Shechaniah stood up and said, We've done this. We have trespassed against our God and have taken pagan wives. We've actually put these wives in the place of you. We've taken from the peoples of the land. Yet now there is hope in Israel in spite of this. So I've got to say this. In spite of where you've been, where, what I've done, all the crying that I've done because of maybe what I haven't done in ministry, and you're always doing that mess, you're always looking back, regretting, I am the king of it. If you need help in how not to do that, ask me because I have busted it so many times within the past month. And this is what God says. God says you've got to understand right now that there's still hope in America. There's still hope on the earth. There's still hope in multitudes. There's still hope in your home. There's still hope in your school. There's still hope in our community. There is still hope right now, folks. There is still hope. But we've got to get to a place where we realize this. And if you keep reading on after they had all began to weep bitterly and they understood that they really had been guilty of just satisfying their flesh, taking pagan wives. And this is not just about wives. It can be anything in this world, in my life, that interrupts me from God and the worship of God. And so when all the people understood that they have violated the commandment and law of God and they began to be broken, that's when you usher in revival when you realize and you repent that's when revival follows that kind of broken heart that's what God is looking for and so verse 7 says they issued a proclamation maybe we'll do this today throughout Judah and Jerusalem to all the descendants of the captivity that they must gather at Jerusalem and that whoever would not come now you check this out whoever would not come within three days according to the instructions of the leaders and elders, all his property, all of his property, all of his stuff, all of his assets, everything would be confiscated. And he himself would be separated from the assembly of those from the captivity. What God told me that I need to look at and I need to realize and then I need to relate to you for all of us 
is that we have always had an enemy of our soul that wants to steal, to kill, and to destroy. He wants to confiscate your, your happiness, your joy in the Lord. He can't steal it, but he wants to confiscate it. He wants to confiscate your, your livelihood, the, your finances, your health, your relationship in your home, relationships in this church. He wants to confiscate everything he can, and he will tell you the biggest lie and tell you that everything is okay right now, and there's a reason this is okay, and that's okay. All he's doing is getting you where he can separate you from the people of God and the presence of God, and he's going to steal you blind. It's no different now than then. He will steal. The Bible says, the thief cometh not but to what? And you know the blanks. That hadn't changed. COVID didn't shake him from doing that. And that's what he did. And everybody understood. We all got to repent. We all got to pray. Because that's what the devil is after. He is trying his best to do it. It seems like the harder we fight as a church and, 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 and we try to have unity in homes and we try to have unity in our church so that we can be a strong force that hell has to reckon with, it seems like the harder the devil fights in both areas. I'm telling you, folks, I'm not whining, I'm not complaining, I'm just telling you. And this is why I want to say what I'm about to say, so don't spend any time in the name of Jesus uh, trying to, what's her name, murder she wrote, trying to be uh, that, okay? Or CSI, whoever you want to put there. But I just, in the past week, I heard of a situation that that if the Lord does not intervene, and nobody's going to know who I'm talking about or what I'm talking about, but God knows what I'm talking about. But I had learned of a situation, and all I did was just listen. I haven't breathed it to anybody. I, I haven't. But I heard, and it, and it involved a young person, that unless, and the reason it grabbed me, number one, because I care, but number two is because I've seen this played out too many times. You got everything from options on the table in front of you, beginning at a young age, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, and on up into your teen years and and. The devil is still doing his thing to try to shake. And he don't advertise this. I'm about to confiscate your future. But I see and smell him doing that. And that's why it let me know that, that I have got to get myself down in this altar right here in the house of God. And I've got to weep more and I've got to pray more, and I've got to have an assembly of people that's going to come together, and we're not going to do anything but weep, and we're going to pray because it's happening and we can't see it, then how much more is it happening if we can see it? And I prayed against us, God, don't let this happen, and, and, and let this young person begin to, to progress 
and nobody ever see it or be in denial that it's happening. And it ripped my heart, and I pray because I know how the devil works. I know how he works. And, and I've made my mind up. Whatever we have to do, we're going to finish that youth and, and, and uh, that student and children's centers. We, we're going to do it, and we're going to do it quickly. It may not be the exact way we want to get it done, but we got we, we got to quit, church. We've got to quit. You know, you can pray for people when they get in a mess, but I can tell you right now, if we would just use some faith and common sense sometimes, we could help keep a lot of people out of ever getting in messes. Amen? We really could. You don't have to clap. I wasn't after it, but it's the truth anyway. So how do we do it? How do I do it? And I, I've asked God to help me really say what I am saying in a quicker time frame, and I, I'm not sorry. No, I'm not. I'm not sorry. We're here. We came to church because this is church. I, never, I, didn't, I, didn't, I, I didn't even know what score was Friday night until Derek told me because somebody texted me and asked me. I don't know. But I, I guarantee you nobody kept looking at their watch just like when we do anything else. If you go to a movie, you don't look at your watch. If you're waiting on your stimulus check, you don't look at your watch. You've got to bust, but... You know, so I can't apologize for the Word of God. And I wasn't saying that to be funny. I was trying to draw your attention if you weren't here. So how do we do this? And I do want to get somewhere. The Bible says that God showed Jeremiah, and I'm kind of sort of closing. He showed Jeremiah a, a word. You always hear about that. God, give me a word. He showed Jeremiah a word. He showed him something. He showed him something, then he told him what he had shown him. This is what God led me to do and to show you this. The word, chapter 18 of Jeremiah, says this. How, how do we do this? How do we get to a place where we can be more conscientious of, uh, of pagan things, pagan wives, uh, compromise, uh, with me as a pastor just looking at the situation, man, I hate that. I'll be praying. And you know for, that's a lie from hell. I won't be praying, will I? We say that because that's just good conversation stuff. But the Bible says in the 18th chapter of Jeremiah, the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah, and this is what he said. He said, Jeremiah, I want you to arise and go down to the potter's house. And there he was making something at the wheel. And the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter. So, talking about the potter, he made it again into another vessel as it seemed good to the potter to make. You see, everybody in this building, everybody online, Psalm 139 says, I was fearfully and wonderfully made. You're made in the image of God. It doesn't matter what the story is that's attached to your arrival. Did everybody hear that? Did people online hear what I just said? It doesn't matter what the story is. There's a lot of unfortunate stories. But you, whatever it is attached to your, hey, God made you. God made you. And so 
in this life we live, God knows that he loved me enough to make me. But along the road sometimes, now God told me not to, not to play around with this. So is everybody okay with that? God says in our lives we do mess up. In our lives we make mistakes. In our lives we start flirting with pagan wives. In our lives we get to a place where our first love is not at the level, well, in some cases it's even swapped. And God knows he made us one time, but he knows what happens over time. And so what God will do, he'll see that something's come into my life, something's come into my heart. It's hard for me to do this without a lot of personal conviction. But he sees what I've done. He knows what I've done. He knows the times that I've stood behind a pulpit and winged it. Or the time that I haven't really prayed over it in prayer. And so God will see a flaw in there, and I'm good with it. I'm good with the peace and the prosperity. Nobody else knows about it. It's good, but God will see that, and, he, and, and he'll come along. He says, Opie, I know it's okay, and nobody's detected it. Nobody's picked up on it. But I know, and I love you enough. And he, he begins to say, we need to be broken because it's marred. It don't look marred to you, but it's marred to me. And a lot of times we crutch on everything from what happened to us uh, at a time and we couldn't help. And those are bad. People are going to pay. Vengeance is still the Lord. But God will say, listen, I made you, I saved you, and I still want to use you, and I'm greater than what happened to you. And God will see that, and so he'll go, and he'll begin, and he'll see something in my life, bitterness. And he'll say, you marred, and, but you gave a lot of money to the church, but you've got all kind of hatred to what happened to you when you were a young child. And he'll say, you marred, and he'll say, you're hard-headed, and you don't listen to me when I tell you. You don't listen to my word. I tell you, and I show you signs. I send people into your life, and you don't listen. I love you. If I didn't love you, I wouldn't get your attention so I can make you into what you need to be. God will do that. God will do that. Yes, he'll do that. He loved you enough to make you so he don't want you to stay fractured or marred, not when you can be pure and whole. And so he'll just go through the church sometimes or he'll go through our house and he'll say, it's bad and I don't care. You're fooling your mama. You're fooling your daddy. But I see your mess and I know what's going on and you're not going to get by me. And he'll do all this stuff. He'll do all this stuff. And then when God gets through, when he gets through breaking me, when he gets through breaking me, then I'm start to become more attentive to the Holy Spirit. I, I, I start to more than just think about the conviction that God's working on me. It, it gets into my heart right here, you see. And then God says, I'm not mad at you. 
In fact, if you're not broken, you're not broken. I can't fix you. If I made you one time, I can fix you when you're scarred, when you're marred, when you're mistreated, when you've messed up, when you're lying, when you're marrying pagan wives. He said, you're marred, you're marred, and you got to be broken. And so he says, if you won't break yourself or allow the Spirit or the Scriptures to break you, he said, then sometimes I have to break you. And folks, I'm telling you when the Lord breaks you, when the Lord breaks you, I'll just tell you how it looks. You'll let go of everything. And it might be short term, but you'll just let go. I remember, and we talked about this, and I hate referring back to it, but not everybody knows. It's probably been 10 years ago when one morning they were doing some work at the house and I'd gotten to a point now the devil he has a history of playing with the, the mind of people in my family me I'll say me and my mama because I don't want to talk about nobody else I'm speaking for her I'm speaking for me and he will He'll bring on everything from anxiety till he will bust your nerves all to pieces. My daddy has had countless rides with my mom around the block at 2 a.m. in the morning just to try to bring it down. Well, about 10 years ago, I borderline had a nervous breakdown. And I'll tell you, I was just in the bathroom. I tried my best to think about going fishing, going to the beach, going to the mountains. And then nothing worked. And then I found myself in our living room in the floor and I was curled up like this. And I remember LT, Joe, Charlie Pittman, and maybe Mike and a few more getting down on the floor praying for me. It was tough. Oh, it was tough. And when God really, really, really began to lift me, there was green steps right here. I come into this church. I cut on the screen and on the praise music. And if the devil was going to curl me up in my living room, I was going to curl up in God's living room. And I didn't move from those steps and that worship music and crying before God until He lifted me up. You see, sometimes God allows you to go through things and it will break you in one way. Then about three years ago, right over here, right over here, about right there, I was praying At the end of the month, right here. And the Lord said, it's time. It's time for you to close your shop down. And you know what I started doing? I would only work a little bit. 
I had cherry picked. I'd got stuff down to about nothing. And I said, well, God, and I'm not getting into all of that, but I began to say what all I was, I was able to do privately for the church. And uh, it didn't work. The Lord says, time to burn the implements and walk away. And I said, I'll do it. And I literally, I literally walked out the door and closed the door and just tried to help people. And I know you, you've heard this, but you got to let me finish. And I'm going to tell you something. That wasn't like 10, 7 years ago from that day. But what God started doing in my, or what happened in my life, is for the first time in a long time in, in this ministry and in my, my own life, I began to hear the Lord clearer. And I began to have a desire for the creative side of ministry again. But see, God had to break me because I had allowed the, the extra comfort of the pagan wife that took care of little bills and it paid for vacation and all that. And I had the conversation with God. God, but what about this? Because the church ain't going to pay me no more money because I won't allow that. The Lord says, listen, I'm calling you. I'm calling you away. I'm calling you to me. He says, the church is never going to get where it needs to get until you do what I've told you to do. So in another way, a whole different way God broke me that way. And I'm going to tell you right now, my equipment don't even work now. None of it. It don't work. It don't work. But if you offer me God is my, if you offer me $40 million to open back up and start making signs tomorrow, I would tell you I can't afford it. Because see, when God gets you away from a, a pagan thing that you justify, I mean, and I enjoy doing it because I could just do it and, and it helped the church in many ways. And I'm not saying that I give hundreds of thousands of dollars or nothing like that but it was little things that we were able to do and it never was a problem for us to do but God says listen there's a bigger cause than you paying for a website or whatever else that God would say to do or lay on my heart to do there's a bigger calling and when God starts breaking it's a it hurts so bad that it starts feeling good. Do you know what I mean? I want you to stand up and close your eyes. Spirit of the living God. This is a prayer. Fall fresh on me. Spirit of the Listen to this part. This is what has to happen. Break me more. 
flesh on me. This morning, what the Lord is just wanting us to do. is to understand the good thing about being broken after you're broken look at what God can do look at what God can do oh the floor walking away locking the door oh you don't you don't see this right there but I'm telling you I'm so excited to be a minister of the gospel right now more than I have in 30 31 years and I'm going to be broken again and again and again because the more God breaks us me the more in me God can fix anybody want to be broken I know that you won't knock each other over getting to the altar today. But if you want God to make you into something that you can't even imagine, will you, will you just meet me right here? And I'm going to do what Ezra did. I'm going to cry and weep and pray. Father, we come to your house. And Lord, we know that we're the remnant. We're the remnant. We are. We're not just going to wait and see if another church picks it up. We're the remnant at this church, Lord. We're the remnant right now, Lord. We know that you have the remnant assembled at other places even as we are praying. But Father, I pray, oh God, because anything, any kind of flaw in me, that you see. I don't care if everything still goes off without a hitch. If it's there, if it's a speck, if it's just a little chip, God, break me, crush me so you can repair me and make me something beautiful. I want to enter heaven without spot, wrinkle, or blemish, Lord. I don't want to try to keep just living with the scar or the mar or the chip. God, do take the hammer and crush me, oh God. In the name of Jesus. Spirit of the living God, fall fresh on me. If you're not praying down here, I want you to worship this song to God, Spirit of the living God, fall fresh on me, break me, melt me, fill me, use me, here we go, break me,
not a believer, what the Lord would want you to know. He would want you to know that there are all kind of attempts that's made to know God, to get to heaven, but there is only one way, and it's the door. And all you have to do is say, Jesus, I believe you are the crucified, risen Son of God. I repent of my sins, and I know that you can wash my sins away. And I dedicate the rest of my life, this vessel, to you. I'm broken. I'm in shadow. Lord, you've been dealing with me. And I need a redeemer. I need to be saved. I want you to begin to make something beautiful right now in my life. My life has been filled with all kind of pagan stuff, sin. It doesn't matter, Lord, what it is I know. Whether it's substance, God, or things, alcohol, whatever. God, we fill our bodies and our minds with all kinds of things. And the devil tells us we can't be saved, Lord. But you said, whosoever calls on the name of the Lord can be saved. And if you pray to God, God will save you. I just feel a strong uh, just a strong hand of the Lord for us to pray for our young people. Here, not here, those that will be a part of this church and our current people that are serving and are willing to serve and the ones that will serve Father God we pray over every baby every baby Lord we pray over every toddler God, we pray over every preschooler, elementary and middle school, middle school child, and high school, Lord. Lord, we know that you can save them and protect them and use them, even if they're living in an environment that doesn't say that can happen. We know the prayer we pray over them right now can prevail anything, Lord, because of you. We pray that if their parents are not believers, God, that through the influence of the child, of the student, they would become believers, Lord. God, we pray whatever that we need to fulfill the mandate you've given us, God, Lord, that, that it will be there. We know that you're faithful, God. And I'm praying, God, over divine direction for our church on an individual uh, basis, but on a corporate basis. We don't have time to entertain things, Lord. We've got to do the need of the hour while the window of grace is open. God, and I pray that you would bless these people. Bless the people, Lord, and make your face shine on them, Lord. Be gracious unto them and give them peace, Lord. Meet needs, open doors, close doors, give peace, 
and clarity. And God, and I pray you'd let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O oh Lord, my strength and my redeemer.